morning I'd like to look at a, what can be possibly a series of messages. So last year, Tim Nixke, when he was uh, leading the service, he mentioned one from uh, a YouTube clip from Anderson's in Genesis, and it's called Divided Nation. So I had a look at it and saw the information in this clip. I thought it would be really helpful for us as a church to have a look at this clip because it's relevant to uh, today's society, what we're looking at, and how we can look at the issues within today's society, then we will uh, have a look at this. Hopefully we might be able to do a few more. We might be able to do it six or seven or eight parts, but uh, we'll put it together in one session maybe. But we will see how we go. So Answers in Genesis has been around for many years um, under the different name Creation Science Foundation, and it was about 1960. So that last song we sung was about the same time, and it was about the 1960s. And it has argued for the creation story over evolution theory. I'll just repeat that as the creation story over the evolution theory, which it only is as a theory. So answers in Genesis in the apologetics ministry, it doesn't mean they apologise for who they are. When apologetics is an apologetics, is teaching and defending and explaining your faith. And as we go further into the teaching from the series, you can see the value of the apologetics in explaining and defending our faith on the pressing issues that we are put up by the world in today's society. So we also see the lack of apologetics being taught in our schools and churches can be bereft in defending our faith and explaining our faith. So before we show this clip, um, Ali, if you need to start from the start, we'll take the first five minutes. That's a bit of um, bit of guff in that, but we'll have the other five minutes so that we can see the rest of the clip. So uh, if we can have the clip, it goes for about 15 minutes now. It was about nine minutes, and um, see how we go. Thanks, Ali. Today I want to talk on a topic that I wrote about in the new book that I have called Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos and a Conflicted Church. We have a lot of problems we're dealing with in our culture and in the church. But there's a massive problem in the church. We're seeing an exodus from the church in America. In fact, the whole Western world. But I want to concentrate on America. Do you know how many people used to attend church in America if you go back to the 1700s? About 75 to 80%. But when I was coming over from Australia, even in the 80s and speaking in America, I was warning people that research was showing we were losing the younger generations. Two-thirds of young people walking away from the church by the time they reach college age, very few uh, returning. And if this keeps happening, we're going to find that we're going to lose them uh, totally. Where will the church be in another few years? In fact, in England, it's down to 4% attendance. Uh, so you can imagine uh, America being like that. You say, no, we would never get to that, really. I uh, wrote a book about that in 2009 because we did research on it and we, we asked these young people why they left church. You know what a lot of it came down to? How can there be a loving God with all the death and suffering in the world? And what about evolution and millions of years? What they were taught at school? The fact that they weren't being taught apologetics in their churches. Most of their uh, pastors and others were telling them, you don't need to worry about Genesis. You can believe in evolution. And they said, how can you trust the Bible? And you know, if you look at some of the latest statistics, this is from 2014, Pew Research, and you'll see where seven years ago we're at in regard to church attendance. And if you look at the greatest generation, uh, those born before 1928, about 51%. Come down to the baby boomers, I'm in the baby boomers generation, 38%. Come down to 
uh, here to the Generation Z and the Millennials, you see about 27, 28%. But do you see the, the generational loss from the church? So people, you can't ignore, we're losing the younger generations from the church. Now, the latest research that we've been able to find uh, from GSS Data Explorer, 2021 research, look where we're at for age for the millennials and Generation Z. We are heading towards where England is at. And in fact, when you look at some of the research done by George Barner, a Christian researcher in America, Generation Z, that was born between 1999 and 2015, he says the first truly post-Christian generation, twice as likely to be atheist than any previous generation, and we just uh, received some of the latest research statistics. This is 2021 research by the Cultural Research Center in Arizona Christian University. 27% of, that's a mixture of millennials and Generation Z, are self-identifying as Christian, also self-identify as LGBTQ. But notice that it's not much different for those that uh, are self-identifying as non-Christians. In other words... These kids that say they're Christians are thinking the same way that the non-Christians are in those younger generations. We have a massive problem. We are losing those younger generations from the church. We're seeing uh, the, the culture becoming less Christianized uh, every day. And in fact, you could describe our culture this way. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what is right in his own eyes. And really, we could say that that verse is, is telling in this is when there's no absolute authority, anything goes. And by the way, when anything goes, anything goes except the absolutes of Christianity because anything goes doesn't allow the absolutes of Christianity. And that's the conflict we see at a worldview level. Then that's why Christians get accused of hate speech and being intolerant because of that, that clash uh, that we have there. You know, it's interesting. When people have said to me, what has happened to America? It's very simple. You take generations through an education system and you tell them there's no God and the Bible's not the absolute authority, you have a by and large lukewarm church because most of the church, not all, of course, I mean, this is one of those rare churches that stands on the word of God, loves the ministry of answers and Genesis, wants to equip people and so on. But the majority of churches aren't like that. And one of the most asked questions we get asked as a ministry is, do you know a church in our area that takes the same stand you do? And people, people are desperate to find churches like that. We have a, a by and large lukewarm church uh, in America. And what's happened is those younger generations have been told by many of their pastors and leaders, you can believe what you're taught at school, that doesn't matter, about evolution, millions of years, don't worry about Genesis, just trust in Jesus, Johnny. But see, they understand the message of Jesus comes from this book. And if you can't trust the first part of this book, how can you trust the rest? And as we're looking at the culture that has abandoned God's word, see, if you think about it, Many of the founding fathers were Christian, or at least they had a Judeo-Christian ethic. They came out of the Bible and permeated the culture, permeated the, the, the public schools. But what we're now seeing is that, that the veneer of Christianity has been ripped away, and now we're seeing the culture as, as it really is, uh, and because of a battle that's been going on for 6,000 years. And that's what I want to talk about uh, with you today. We're seeing all of these issues permeating the culture. And I have a lot of people in the church who say to me, oh, I, I don't know how to deal with all of these. We, we got the gay marriage problem, the abortion problem, the racism problem, gender problems. Well, not just those. There's a lot of others as well. In fact, they're using words I've never heard of before uh, sometimes with all these things. But, you know, there's a problem in the church because m many people are saying to me, how do we deal with all these problems? Well, that in itself is a major problem because these are symptoms of the problem. 
In other words, these are all the same problem. We have got to understand that. Once you start understanding that these are all the same problem, then you realize something else. The solution is the same for all of them. Right? And so instead of saying, how do we deal with this issue, that issue, that issue, we have got to understand what the problem is. And the problem is we have people who put their trust in man's word and not God's word. And we need to raise up generations that put their trust in God's word, not man's word. And you'll see that that's the battle all the way through scripture. It's a battle between light and darkness. Those who gather, those who scatter, those who are for Christ, those who are against, those who build a house on the rock, those who build a house on the sand. People, the Bible talks about that battle all the way through scripture. In fact, it starts in Genesis 3.15 when God talks about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The whole of the rest of the Bible is the battle with the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. That's what it's all about. So the battle is no different. The battle has always been the same. And the solution is the same. And so to help us understand this, people say, okay, how did it happen? What happened? If we go back 6,000 years in the garden, when God created the first man, Adam, he said, Adam, you can eat of all the trees, one tree you're not to eat of, because if you do, you'll surely, what? Die. In other words, obey God's word. But along came the devil in the form of a serpent. He said, did God really say? I want you to look at that for a moment. Do you realize the first attack was on the authority of the word of God? And then the devil said, you trust yourself. Man's word. You become your own God. You decide truth. You decide right and wrong for yourself. By the way, we know that we sinned in Adam. We know that Adam sinned. And this really sums up the sin nature of man. Genesis 3, 1 and Genesis 3, 5. The sin nature of man, we would rather trust the word of fallible humans than the word of God. I see that rife in the church where so many of our Christian academics and pastors would rather believe the word of man, scientists, secular scientists, when it comes to origins, than what God's word clearly teaches. I see that all the time. And we want to be our own God. We want to decide right and wrong for ourselves. And you know, it's interesting. We live at a time when because the Bible has not been taught as the absolute authority of the word of God as it should have been in, in our churches. I, I meet a lot of these Generation Z people who will say things like, you know, but I feel if two men love each other that they should be able to get married. Well, the thing is, it's got nothing to do with your feelings, right? And if we had taught them correctly, they would understand the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So you can't trust your feelings, But see, because we haven't taught the foundational history in Genesis and understand our sin nature and understand what's happened in the culture, then to them, it's all about them deciding what's right and what's wrong. And so I want you to understand that a battle began between two religions. You know, many people think there are hundreds of religions in the world, but in an ultimate sense, it comes down to two. God's word, man's word. Stop putting your trust in man's word over and over in scripture. Put your trust in God's word. That's the battle. And people, that battle is before us today. And we're seeing it in ways we haven't seen it in the past, but it's always been there. It's raging. And now we're seeing the consequences of this. Thanks, Ali. That was, uh, that was good. Yeah. Pretty confronting, isn't it? What we've seen there today. So I'll have a video, I'll have a recap of the video and look at some of the points from it. So the stats are American, but we can probably take something from them. Uh, I did hear of a pastor of recent times and he was, we're talking to him 
And uh, he said that he believes in long earth. He believes in the millions of years because of the size of the universe and it takes light years to get here. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the little things that we're saying that the, what the Bible says is not true. We've got to get back to the scriptures, don't we? We've got to teach the scriptures. We've got to know the scriptures. So, and it's great that we've got the Christian school here, which gives them a great grounding in that. And uh, we really thank you for that. As a fall off in millennials, apparently, and Generation Z in the American church, apparently some research I've done, there's a bit of an uptick among these uh, younger people within our churches. Uh, they may be um, ones that may go from church to church, but they are part of the church. I don't know what they're receiving in their, their different um, teachings and these. From the point of view of American churches being lukewarm, so some disturbing statistics arise from the evangelical pastors with a biblical worldview. So if we can have... Um, and the second one, thanks. Look at these figures. Evangelicals, pastors with a biblical worldview. Senior pastors, 37%. Associate pastors, they're the ones that are going to become our senior pastors, 28%. Teaching pastors, 13%. And children and youth, 12%. That's from Burner Research, which uh, he was alluding to before. So a biblical worldview is the overarching view of the world based on God's revealed truth, the Bible, which directs our life in this world. Our biblical worldview shapes our beliefs about God, creation, humanity, moral order and purpose. God to whom or what do I ultimately answer? So I'll just take those figures in for a moment. And that's possibly what's happening in our, our country as well today. It's a worldwide problem where the Bible is not being taught. If our young people are being taught the Bible, it's not relevant, we are in big trouble. And if we don't actually preach it from the, from the pulpit here, and we will not compromise on this as a leadership in this church. So it's up, up to the leadership here to teach in our congregation. It's not enough to say we trust in Jesus. And as he said, Jesus comes from the Bible and you can't trust in Jesus if you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. That seems logical, doesn't it? And as he said in Genesis 3.15, and it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. So if we look at the verse in context of Jesus, it says, Satan will strike at Jesus' heel by his crucifixion. Satan was probably going, yes, 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 we've got him. But no, he hadn't. But Jesus will crush Satan by defeating him on that very same cross. Hallelujah for that. This promise is one that we can take with us. It also brings into light the battle between good and evil, which has been shown, uh, which has been raged since the first time back in the Garden of Eden. Thanks, Ali. Third five. So he mentioned the, um, the verse, Judges 21, 25. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they thought, saw fit. Isn't that interesting? If we look at our society today, everyone did as they saw fit. It's all about my feelings. It's what it's all about. My thoughts over your thoughts. And if I speak louder than you, if I scream louder than you, I'll get heard. 
or if I play the um, card where I'm the victim, I'll get heard. And that's what's happening. This is an issue we have with absolute authority. There's no such thing nowadays as absolute authority. That's what we feel to be right, which is important. When we try as Christians today to bring authority to the Bible and we play, we're accused of being bigots, all sorts of different things. We're out of touch. We haven't changed. Um, we stand on the Bible but know that the Bible's not good enough for them. A society that's based on feelings over absolutes is in danger of collapsing because everybody is going to have their own yield. They will not yield their opinion to somebody else. What I think, what I feel is right. What you think, what you feel is wrong. This thinking started back in the mid-20th century with the advent of postmodernism, which began to break down absolutes. Postmodernism is something where there's no absolutes. Everything is based on it might be, it can be, and it's what, um, if you have no absolutes, then whatever goes, goes. We can't be going to do that. And the first attack was on the word of God. And the fourth slide. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The first attack was on the word of God, as he mentioned. This has been happening from that time on. Through the ages, people have been trying to change, debunk or make it their own thoughts. In China, they've put their own Bible out. But um, the Bible in China actually makes it so it's the state that's glorified, not Jesus. And uh, the LGBTQI have put out a queer Bible as well too. It's sad to see the, the word of God being treated like that. Why is this? Man has taken God's rightful place. I don't know if you remember um, back when you used to do uh, Sunday school stuff and you'd have a picture of, of, of uh, a person and uh, they were on the throne and then you get a bit further on and then eventually they put Jesus on the throne and that's what's happened in the world today. Man has taken God's rightful place and he thinks that he is God. It says in verse 5, they will be like God. And most of our sin, as we know, is from our own selfish nature. We want what we want and we want to get it now. As we looked before, it's having no absolutes. Whatever the strongest or loudest get their way, which is completely opposite to God's way. To sum up this part, we'll have a look at the doctrine of total depravity. So if we have the next slide up. Now, total depravity is the fallen state of human beings as a result of original sin. The doctrine of total depravity asserts that people are, as a result of the fall, not inclined or even able to love God wholly with heart, mind and strength. Rather, are inclined by nature to serve their own will and desires and reject this. This does not mean that we deprave such as a serial killer, but we are separated from Adam by our original sin. We're all born sinners and can only come back to God by accepting the substitutionary death of Jesus. It is God who prompts us through the Holy Spirit, a choice of man whether he accepts God's invite and is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit we're able to align with God. So we are born with this sin nature, which came down from Adam 
And that's what we go back to that other verse where sin came into the world and God and Jesus, Jesus and the Satan were in a, in a war at that stage and that war has been continued. Some of the doctrine of uh, total depravity take at the extremes and say that God only chooses those he will save and through grace. But we are saved through grace. Isn't that wonderful? We are saved through grace. And it's our choice to accept God's grace. I heard on the radio this morning they had um, uh, Pastor Jeff Fines who was, um, did a communion service. And when we do a communion, God didn't, uh, Jesus didn't come to turn bad people good. He came to save dead people to life. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus came to bring dead people back to life through his death. So I've touched on some of the thinking and the message behind the series. It'll come out later that these issues I can raise have a solution in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Um, when Tim mentioned this, I got a phone call from Mark, I think it was, and said, uh, I couldn't find that. <laughs> so hopefully if you look through this, if you want to have a look at this, um, the whole clip, it is um, on their YouTube channel, Answers in Genesis, and Divided Nation by Ken Ham, and it goes for about an hour and eight minutes. So we've touched on this today, that the world we're in today, we know is in a mess. But the churches are in a mess. We need a revolution within the churches. We need our churches to come back to the Bible. We need our churches to come to the point of saying that Jesus is Lord. The Bible is the word of God, and that is what we stand on. So hopefully over the next little while, we'll be able to have a look at these. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the clip. Thank you for everything that's gone on this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Ev.